If you were present at our watch night service last evening, you would recall that I talked about the failure of Joshua and the Israelites to overcome a very small city called Ai. In discussing Israel's embarrassing defeat, I shared that a man by the name of Achan took possession of some gold and silver and other spoils from Israel's earlier victory over the much larger city called Jericho, and that he did this in disobedience to the very specific instructions God gave when he told them not to do so. In fact, in Joshua, the seventh chapter, and the eleventh through the twelfth verse, we read, Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have even taken some of the things under the ban and have stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. Israel had both stolen and deceived. And because of this, God declared that he would not be with them unless they destroyed the things under the ban from their midst. Achan had stolen and deceived by bringing something that was taken from the enemy as well as something that belonged to God in his house. He had stolen the gold and silver that belonged to God and had deceived with the mantle that was taken from the enemy. And because he did this, not only was Achan's house cursed, but the entire nation of Israel as well. And so today, I want to speak a little bit more about what was really going on and what was really taking place and why God responded the way that he did. And more importantly, I want us to understand the principle behind Israel's curse and what it means for you and I today, especially as we begin the start of this new year. And to do this, I'll be speaking a message titled, The Jericho Effect. The Jericho Effect. Let us pray. Father, we thank you now that we've come to the preaching hour. We appreciate, O oh God, how you answered our prayer and allowed the musician to go into that place that allows your spirit to be in this place right now. Thank you, Father, for the presence that we feel, for it is now well with our soul. Now, Father, speak, for your children are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Here is the reality of where many of us are today. Number one, you are living paycheck to paycheck. This means that the income that you are earning from maybe one or more jobs is insufficient to meet all of your living obligations, including food, rent, and clothing. You have more going out than you have coming in, and it causes you a tremendous amount of stress each time a letter comes in the mail and the phone never stops ringing, and you're at a loss to figure out how to get out from under this rock. Second, you are unhealthy. 
This means that you have aches and pains in places that you never used to have them before and you are making more and more visits to doctors because your body is telling you that something is not right. You are clinically overweight and even though you keep telling yourself that you're going to exercise more and improve your diet, you never do. Number three, you are alone. This means that while you have people around you that you speak to with some regularity, you still feel unheard and abandoned. You know that the issue is more than merely talking to people, but it's more about being able to connect with someone else who truly knows you and truly hears you and at the same time does not sit in judgment of you. And finally, number four, you are stuck. This means that your life feels purposeless and neither your job nor your relationships give you enough motivation to want to get up in the morning. Each day does not bring the potential for more adventure. It only brings more heartache and stress. To be honest, you wonder what happened to the times when you couldn't wait to get up and do things and the older you get, the more despairing it becomes. Your life just feels routine and empty and you feel stuck. All of what I've just described is what many of us may be experiencing in different ways. And if anything, COVID has only served to make us all more aware that these things are causing us to be experiencing some level of depression. But contrary to what you might believe, your life is not empty because something is missing. Your life is empty because something is with you. In the text, it said, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them, sound a long blast on the trumpets. Have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance! March around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. Verse 20. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Jericho was the first major city that the Israelites overcame after Joshua became the leader of the Israelites after the death of Moses. It was an important victory because it would serve to establish the validity of Joshua's leadership in the eyes of the people. For years, the people knew that God was with Moses. And now that Moses is gone, the people need confirmation that that same God would still be with Joshua as well. So when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, it was a sign that God was still with Israel and Joshua was now his champion. 
But there were rules and conditions that needed to be followed. In fact, before they could even take the city, God told Joshua in the sixth chapter, reading verses 17 through 19, that the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his sanctuary. When you take the city, all the silver, the gold, the bronze, and the iron are sacred. Not some, all, all of it when you take the city. Now, let me digress here for a moment because it's very important that whenever we read the Bible that we know the difference between when the Bible is being descriptive versus when it's being prescriptive. Not knowing the difference between these two things is the reason I believe that there has been many abuses with the scriptures and many interpretations that cause us to misunderstand what it is that God is trying to teach us. We must know when the Bible is being descriptive versus when the Bible is being prescriptive. Let me tell you what I mean. When the Bible is being descriptive, it means that what you are reading is an account of something that actually happened and something that actually took place. The purpose for this description is because God wanted us to know what the implications would be of what it was that was being done. As an example, we can read in the first Samuel chapter 25 verse 39, 44, it says this, and David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spoke unto her, saying, David sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and they were also, both of them, his wives. But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Falti, the son of Laish, which was of Galim. Now, I read it this way because I want you to understand that if you read the Bible and you listen to that, you may think in your mind, well, it's okay to have many wives. See, David had it. And in fact, you hear people say, see, it's in the Bible. So multiple wives must be okay because it's in the Bible. But my point here is even though it is in the Bible, this does not mean it's an endorsement from God. This is just God letting us know what David did. What David did was inappropriate and it actually caused him to have many problems. So the Bible in this case was being descriptive. It was simply telling us what happened and what David did. Now, when the Bible is being prescriptive, this means it is telling us something that is a universal principle which must be obeyed at all times, no matter the circumstances. This means that God wants you to understand that if you follow this principle, it will go well with your soul and with your life. A clear example of this is seen in Galatians, the sixth chapter and the seventh through the eighth verse. Here is what it says. 
Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Here, the Bible is being prescriptive because God is giving us a principle that will always be true no matter what your circumstances are. Whatsoever you sow, you will reap. If you sow good, you reap good. If you sow bad, you will reap bad. So in the case of David, doing what the Bible described about having all these wives, he fell victim to the principle that the Bible prescribed and he ended up suffering by reaping what he sowed. My point is, we must know when the Bible is being descriptive versus when the Bible is being prescriptive so that we would know how to live according to God's plans for us, which brings us now back to Joshua and the Israelites. The best way to know when the Bible is being prescriptive is to observe when God gives a command. If God says, do not take any wives from among your enemies, you are not to mingle with unbelievers because of the principle that says everything produces after its own kind and you're going to end up producing rebellious children. Mm -hmm. Recognize. If God says, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you, then you are to be considerate of other people, which is based on the principle that love gives. So when God says to the Israelites, keep away from the devoted things, keep away from the devoted things, then you have to set apart what belongs to God, which is based on the principle that God is holy. Hmm. By taking the things that God clearly says belong to his treasury, the Israelites were not only breaking a command, they were transgressing a principle, which is the holiness of God. And whenever the holiness or even a principle of God is transgressed, my brothers and sisters, I'm not mincing my words, it will always lead you into a place of curse. Look carefully with me again at what the text says in verse 18. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. All the spoils of Jericho belong to the Lord. Why? Because, number one, Jericho was Israel's first victory. Number two, Jericho was a symbol of God's sovereignty. And number three, Jericho was a symbol of Israel's inheritance. Israel's first victory, symbol of God's sovereignty, and a symbol of Israel's inheritance. And because of all these, if Israel obeyed, Jericho would also be a symbol of God's divine protection. And that protection that comes with Israel's obedience is what I have called in this message the Jericho effect. As I said, God made it plain about what would happen after Jericho because he issued a command when he said, if anyone violated God's command about the spoils, he would bring calamity, not just upon that person, but upon the whole 
nation. The whole nation would be held responsible for the disobedience of one individual. And by holding the nation accountable for the actions of one person, God showed the Israelites that they were a part of something so much larger than themselves. They were a community. They were a church. So, so people of God, church, what you do matters. The choices you make matters. The way you live in your community matters. You are not living in isolation. So the choices that you make, that when you choose to disobey the things that God says you ought to do, the way he says you ought to do it, yes, it's going to have an impact on your life, but I'm telling you, it's also going to have an impact on my life and everyone within the community where you belong. In a negative way, it's like COVID virus. Everyone in your house may be wearing masks, doing the right thing, but you decide that you're going to go out and have a pity party somewhere, wherever, because you can't stand being home all by yourself and just being in isolation. You go and you contract something. You're not going to come in and keep it to yourself. You're going to end up spreading it to your family. Brothers and sisters, let me be clear. What you do matters, whether you think it does or not. You cannot possibly believe that God breathed into your nostrils the breath of life and you became a living soul so that you can just live a life that works only for yourself. If that's what you believe, then you are not only a selfish person, but you are also a spawn of Satan as well. However God has blessed you, however God has gifted you, However, God has showered you with opportunities. However, God has allowed you to drink from wells you did not dig. However, God has prospered you. And however, God has made you overcome adversity. It was not for you. The walls of Jericho did not come tumbling down so that you could have a nice house or a nice car or so that Israel could ride around in a nice chariot. Furthermore, those walls came tumbling down. Watch this. Because the priests marched. The walls came tumbling down because the priests of God blew the trumpet. The walls came tumbling down because the army of the Lord shouted and the walls came tumbling down. Let me make it plain for you, church, because I think the time has come where we got to stop playing church and be the church. Let me make it plain. Your walls of despair, your walls of discouragement, your walls of fear, your walls of loneliness, your walls of poor health, your walls of abandonment will come tumbling down when the pastors and the leaders of the church, when the missionaries and the saints of God blow the trumpets of prayer on all the walls of your life. And those walls will come tumbling down according to God's will. But when they come tumbling down, you must honor God with what he says is his. And be sure to place the spoils into the treasury of God's house. The Jericho effect is simply that whenever God brings you over an adversity or gives you a certain victory or even gives you a blessing, give back to God a token of what that blessing was. If God released you from unforgiveness, honor God by forgiving someone else. If God released you from a particular financial debt, 
honor God by giving a financial offering to the church. If God gives you steady employment, then honor God by giving consistently whatever you have purposed in your heart to give according to how you feel blessed by God. Give according to what blessing was given to you because the principle is the same that everything produces after its own kind. This is why it's hard for many of us to make ends meet and we live paycheck to paycheck. This is why it's hard for many of us to find opportunities and doors keep closing in our faces. This is why many of us are unhealthy and experiencing all kinds of aches and pains in our bodies. This is why many of us are feeling lonely and abandoned and detached from our community. This is why everything you put your hands to does not yield or bear fruit. And this is why many of us feel plain stuck. You are stuck. Lonely, broke, angry, depressed, and disconnected because you have chosen to live under the curse of Achan. This is not what God intended, but this is what you're experiencing because you have not released from your possession the things that belong to God. This is why I said your life is not empty because something is missing. Your life is empty because something is with you. You need to give God what belongs to him. So what did God do to deal with Israel's disobedience? What did God do to deal with Israel's sin? Brothers and sisters, judgment came. Judgment came. Look at the text in verse 24. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the mantle, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that belonged to him. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. They raised over him a great heap of stones that stands to this day. And the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. So the mantle, the silver, the gold, Achan, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and everything that belonged to Achan was destroyed as they were all stoned and burned with fire. This is a disastrous ending for holding on to what God has declared is his. I know this sounds harsh, and I know that you're probably all saying, why would a good God do something so heinous? Well, to be clear, God did not do this. <laughs> Let me be clear. God did not do this. Achan did. You did. God did not give you calamity. You did. You brought it on yourself. God is holy, and there is nothing unholy in him. Achan was cursed because he failed to respect the principle of the holiness of God. And God cannot go against his word. And like Achan, you too are cursed if you don't recognize the holiness of God too. For sure, no one is, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. No one is going to come to your house and drag you and your family into the street to stone and burn you. But the Bible does tell us that the wages of sin is death. 
and after grace comes the judgment. I'm not making this up, church. These are God's words. But <laughs> I got good news. I got really, really good news. The Lord does not change. As a matter of fact, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that would destroy Achan is the same God that would cause you and me to be destroyed because the wages of sin is death. But I got good news. I got really, really good news. You see, God is faithful to receive you if you obey his commands. And so because God knows that you and I, we have a hard time maintaining the holiness of God and to give God his due. We have a hard time not giving him the silver and the gold. We have a hard time because we love to hold on to it. God says, okay, I'm going to give the gift of all gifts. I'm going to give something that no matter what, you can always claim that gift. So even if you hold on to your stuff and you're under the curse like Achan and you are getting calamity in your life, you have an opportunity. You've got hope. You can claim the gifts that he gave. Because you see, God gives good gifts. He gives really good gifts. And he gave the gift of Jesus. He gave Jesus instead. God chose to give. Hear me, church. Hear me, church. Hear me, church. On this first Sunday of 2021. God, God chose to give what you could not give so you could get what you could not earn. God gave what you could I, and I could not give so that we could get what we could not earn. By dying on the cross, Jesus paid the ransom for your sin and for mine. And he made it possible that anyone who chooses to call on his name would come under the mighty wings of his protection from the stoning and the burning and the wages of sin that you and I deserve. Jesus became our Jericho effect. Meaning, if you do what God says, you get what God has to give. Jesus is our Jericho effect. He saved us from the wrath of God and he will do this for anyone who calls on his name so if you're finding today today that you have calamity in your life you feel stuck then return to God you feel lonely then return to God you feel abandoned then return to God you feel shame and guilt return to God you feel anger and despair return to God. You feel jealousy, envy, and strife, return to God. You feel broke and disgusted, return to God. All I'm saying is, all of the calamity you have is because you have chosen to stay living under the sin of Achan. But you can call on his name anytime, anywhere, and in any place. And he is faithful enough to answer you and to do exactly what he said. Why? Because his word cannot return to him void. And God makes promises and he has to keep them or he would not be God. So the description is, you're doing all this mess. The prescription is, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus is still in the saving business. And for that, I am excited. So Achan, call on his name and you will be saved. Now, this is where I want to close the message. 
Salvation is the first call. And salvation is about you becoming saved. Communion becomes the renewal of the covenant. And then your tithes is giving regularly and consistently to affirm the holiness of God and for his divine protection. And then finally, service to others is how you offer love on behalf of a God who loved you. So, so salvation, communion, your tithing, and service. You do all of that, and I'm telling you right now, that all the stuff that I talked about that was causing you to have stress, pain, and strife in your life, not that it will just magically go away, but that you will find the peace that only God can give. And my Father in heaven, he only gives good gifts. So in this season, as we start the new year, it might be a good idea to receive in the first of this month what God has in store for you in anticipation of his protection throughout 2021. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved. <laughs>